Salvation comes. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. If you want to find that in your Bible, please look that up. Let's stand together and I'll read out loud these 12 verses. And please follow along. While Peter and John were addressing the people, the priests, the chief of the temple police, and some Sadducees came up, indignant that these upstart apostles were instructing the people and proclaiming that the resurrection from the dead had taken place in Jesus. They arrested them, threw them in jail until morning, for by now it was late in the evening. But many of those who listened had already believed the message. In round numbers, about 5,000. The next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem. The rulers, religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas, the chief priest, Caiaphas, the former chief priest, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. And they stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? With that, with that indignation, with that anger, with that religious spirit, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose both barrels. Rulers and leaders of the people, if, you have, if we've been brought to trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, but the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one, Jesus. Please have a seat. Before this trial, salvation came. Salvation came to a man who was crippled from birth, that man who each day at 3 o'clock before the afternoon prayer was placed outside of the temple at the gate beautiful where people would go up into the temple mount. He was placed there to beg for money. That man on one day was saved. You see, his healing was more than healing. A healing was a demonstration of something bigger, grander. Peter, on a particular day, said, I, I don't have a nickel to drop in your cup, but what I do have to give you, I'm going I'm to give you. I have a free gift. There's nothing you've done to receive this gift. There's no, there's no sinner's prayer here. Peter didn't say to this guy, hey, repeat this after me. Peter just said, look in my eyes. Look me in the face. I can't give you money because I don't have any money. Whatever money comes to me, I give away. But what I do have, 
I'm authorized to give you by the name of Jesus. Walk. Man, that was a day, a moment of salvation. And Peter went with this man into the temple for the first time, dancing, praising God. And when Peter saw a crowd gathering, and we know it was at least 5,000, probably more, a lot of people on the Temple Mount. And Peter said, now it's time. It's time to change your minds. It's time to change what you think about Jesus. It's time to turn to God. Remember where they are. They're on the Temple Mount. But they're not turned towards God. Turn to God. So he can wipe away your sin. Again, remember where they are. They're on the temple mass where sacrifice was brought to atone, cover for sin. But sin is not being taken care of. When God wipes away your sins, he will pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. And he'll send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. This is a day. This is a moment of salvation. And sometimes, you know, when you, when you represent the kingdom of God and you do the things that Jesus wants you to do, sometimes that gets you in trouble. And so we, ha- we have the priests, the chief of the temple police. Temple police. Some Sadducees. Indignant, angry, upset. These upstarts, these these guys who haven't gone to school, these guys that are on our turf, these guys are teaching people in our temple. Who do they think they are? And then the Sadducees joined in, yeah, And they're teaching about the resurrection, which we say doesn't happen. So Peter and John and this saved individual, the lame man healed, they all are thrown into prison. Okay, wait a minute. Where are we? We're at at the temple? We're, We're at the heart of Judaism? And they're being arrested by the police of that temple and they're being thrown into a prison. I mean, I I think, I don't know. But for me, it seems that if if your faith has police and and your faith has a prison that you put people in without due process, I would say your faith is in trouble. One of the things that has just stuck with me from our visit, our last visit to Jerusalem this year in March, is that we visited what is most likely Caiaphas's house. House, go down the stairs to the basement. Dungeon. Dungeon. A dungeon in the chief priest's house? Where in the world does it ever say in the, in the Mosaic Covenant that the chief priest would have a dungeon in his house? That's where Jesus 
in all likelihood spent his last night before the crucifixion. Possibly were Peter and John and this lame man who's healed spent the night. My guess, he's still dancing and praising God. Man, I was born crippled, but now I can walk. But even in that, there's salvation. It just keeps coming. Because 5,000 believed. They believed not only what Peter said, they believed what they saw. See, they saw a demonstration of the kingdom setting things right. And they heard Peter inviting them to participate in a God who's setting things right. They changed their minds about Jesus. They turned to God for forgiveness. They received refreshing showers from God. I would say that's the Holy Spirit being poured out on them. They they begin to say, yes, the restoration of all things created by God has begun under the rule of Jesus, the Messiah. So uh, the next morning after a night in prison, Peter and John and the lame man now walking enter a trial, they enter the Sanhedrin. And I I would just, I mean, I just sense that as I read about that, that that was such an intimidating environment. You've got the rulers, the religious leaders, the religion scholars. You've got Annas, the chief priest. You've got the former chief priest, Caiaphas, who you might have spent the night in his dungeon You've got John and Alexander. Everybody who was anybody was there. So all of the governmental and religious leadership is in that room, and they're all there with questions, but their questions aren't really questions. They're accusations. Who put you in charge here? By what authority are you doing what you're doing? On our turf. What business do you have doing this? And I I just love how in, in the midst of that intimidation, with that accusation, with that condemnation, that Peter's going, woo! And the Holy Spirit just fills him again with power from above. And he lets loose. It's a reminder that Jesus said, you will receive power from above when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You'll even be my witnesses when you're put on trial. So we have this empowered defense. And Peter, again, empowered by the Holy Spirit, I mean, he cuts right to, the, right to the chase. Why are we really on trial? What's your motive? Why did you really arrest us? I mean, are you, I mean, are we on trial now because we helped this sick man? Are we on trial because this lame man is walking? Are we on trial because there's a miracle? No. But that's where he stays. Because that's all that happened. That, that all, that's all that We have nothing to hide. And we're here to tell you by the name of Jesus, this man stands before you healthy and whole. By the name of Jesus, 
by the authority of Jesus, by the kingdom of God. Jesus, you know, Jesus, the one you killed? Jesus, the one you rejected? Jesus, who is both alive and he's the cornerstone of the faith that we're a part of. The name of Jesus. Salvation comes no other way, no other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved, only this one. And I think what this story is just, it's not just the authority of Jesus that saves but it's the saving that is happening in the present. It's, it's not, we're, not, we're not reading the story of, if I were to tell you my story of salvation, I'd start when I was 17, and I would tell you about just the, kind of the months before being in the Reedus' living room with the Summer Young Life Club when I was invited to follow Jesus, and I said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and I was saved. Most of us have a story like that in the past. And then we all anticipate, well, there'll be a day of salvation and I'm going to go to heaven. But for me, between 17 and the time that I'm anticipating, Lord willing, going to heaven, there's a lot of real estate. And does salvation touch in the present? When I'm reading this story, man, this is all about salvation in the moment, in the present, happening, a Savior who's saving now. So I was intrigued by salvation. I looked up a few things. I want to read you a few things about these words, salvation, and to save. This salvation, this salvation we're reading about out of Acts makes itself known and felt, known and felt in the present. But it will be completely disclosed in the future. Salvation is both now and later. The opposite, in the synoptics, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke is writing Acts. He's He's continuing his story. In the synoptics, Soteria, that's the Greek word for salvation, is a future event denoting entry into the future kingdom of God, and yet it is also a present, in the present event in the sayings about that which was lost is found. Soteria, salvation, embraces both present and future in Acts. Sozo, the Greek word for to save, is often used with reference to the healing of the sick. The lame man healed is saved. The lame man healed is saved in the moment. And I begin to think about how salvation came to that man in the present. A man who lost the ability to walk at birth. From birth, he could not walk. And on this day, in this moment, when Peter says, walk, In the name of Jesus, in that moment, in that present moment, he was found walking. He was dancing. A man who lost his dignity, begging every day. There was no way for him to make a living. He had to to rely upon the generosity of people going to meet with God in the temple to survive. 
He didn't look up. He was ashamed. But he's found looking into the eyes of Peter. And he, and he enters into a community that provides for one another. And you know, if he wanted to, after this day, if he wanted a job, now he could get a job. Here's a man who lost his social and religious status. See, he couldn't go into the temple. He was declared by these same religious leaders, unclean, unfit, don't enter. You're an outsider. Don't come in here. But on this day, he found himself inside the temple for the first time in his life. Here is a man who lost his praise of God. I mean, I'm reading that into the story, but I doubt he was sitting at the gate beautiful asking for alms, praising God. I would say he, would, he probably bought into the thinking of, what's well, just my fate, and so I'm just bearing my burden. But there's no praise of God, and yet on this day, in this moment, he is found dancing and praising in God's presence. Here's a man lost under the rule of religion. Yet he finds freedom under the rule of Messiah in a moment. Here's a man lost with no dreams of a better tomorrow. A man who was delivered at 3 o'clock each and every day by his friends. He, and he had no prospect that the next day I'm going to be delivered by my friends to ask for alms. And yet in a moment, he finds hope. Not just for the next day, but for the next eon. Messiah has come. Messiah has introduced a new eon. You see, salvation comes in the present. So it makes me ask, you know, where are we lost? Where are we lost today? See, you can have a story in the past, and I hope you do. I mean, I hope you have some recollection of meeting Jesus somewhere in your past. For me, unchurched family, I mean, it's, it's rather clear. For some, brought up in the church, brought up with believing families, it's not so clear. But somewhere in our past, you know, you know, I, I was saved. I, I was brought into relationship with God through Jesus. I, I know my sins were forgiven. I hope we have that story. And I hope that we're living each day with the hope, anticipation of something better, a future, eternity. And yet, if that is all our story is, then we're missing out on a huge part of salvation. How does Jesus want to find us today? How does Jesus want to be our Savior today? What are the circumstances in our life today that we need our Savior? We just had Thanksgiving. For some of us, Thanksgiving is, is a, a time that we meet with our family, and sometimes that's a mixed bag. So it's kind of like this reminder of sometimes I need salvation in my relationships because I'm still struggling connecting with other people. Adam Harvey was in our first teaching time, and I, I just get tickled on Saturdays. I read Adam's posts about the football 
and college football scores. And I just can tell he needs salvation from <laughs> the trauma of Saturdays and the ups and the downs of college football. I know that we are in reading the news. You know, we're reading about this fiscal cliff that's coming in. And I, I mean, that's, to me, that's a very foreboding sounding thing. Don't we need salvation? I mean, Susan read me the story of the guy on, on Black Friday that pulled out the pistol because somebody pushed him in line. Oh, man, don't we need salvation on Black Friday? We need salvation in the moment. When my friend in Bethlehem is chatting with Kathy and Israeli soldiers break through his back gate and then begin to break into his house, my friend needed salvation in that moment. We need salvation today. So would you like to stand with me? Acts has reminded us of two things. There is no other name from whom we receive salvation. Jesus is our Savior. The other thing is whoever calls out to the Lord, is saved, is helped. So I just want to ask you, where, where, do, where are you lost today? Are you, are, you, are you lost in relationships? Are you lost in finances? Are you lost with hope? Are you, where, where are you lost? Because the guarantee is, if we'll call out to the Lord today, in this moment, that he'll save. And we can feel that salvation. We can experience that salvation now. Just as important as then and later. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you're our Savior today. Thank you for the promise that if we'll call upon your name today, that you will save us. And Lord, I thank you that there's nothing insignificant in the circumstances of our life. Some of us have aches and pains. Physically, we need to be saved. We need to be healed of our physical affirmities. Some of us have broken hearts. And you're the God who heals the broken heart. And we need you to heal us, to save us from our broken heart. Lord, some of us are under the pile financially. We need you to rescue us. From our debt. Save us, O oh Lord. Lord, some of us are, are, are trapped in, in patterns of disobedience. And we, we need to be saved today, Lord. Deliver us from temptation, Lord. Lead us far from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And Lord, none of those circumstances are insignificant to you. You want to be our Savior. In this moment, you want us to experience salvation today, now. So thanks for that promise. If we'll call upon you today, you will save us. So I want to invite you, whatever that circumstance is in your life, whatever that oppression is, whatever you need salvation in today, would you now call upon the name of the Lord? Just call out. 
to the name of Jesus. Ask him to save you. Ask him to deliver you now, in the now. Call upon your name, Lord. There's no other name to call. No other name brings salvation. I want to encourage you. Most of the times that I experience his salvation is not just an instantaneous moment like Peter and the lame man enjoyed. That's just, it doesn't happen all that often. But I do want to persevere. Persevere. I want to cry out to the Lord now and five minutes later and at the next stoplight and the next stoplight. I I want to cry out. So whatever is oppressing, keep crying out. Keep inviting the Lord to deliver you. And then some of us, whatever we're facing just seems, we just seem too lost in it. We just, it just, we, you know, we we just can't do it alone. And that's where we need to help each other. So I want to invite anybody that just is facing what seems to be something that you can't get over yourself. If we could meet over on this side of the room before you leave, and we'll have some time of ministry where we just come alongside and pray for each other that Jesus would deliver you from whatever that circumstance is. I mean, we need each other every once in a while. So if you want that sort of ministry before you leave today, please uh, meet me over here before you leave. For the rest of us, keep crying out for the Lord to save. And not just you, but what about the people around you? We have a message of salvation. Let's deliver that message as we go about living our life day in and day out. Thanks for our time together. Appreciate seeing you, and we'll see you later.